You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Basically, you look at the silver price. I mean, I think silver stocks are, are probably the best opportunity for, for, for 2024 because if gold stocks are are unloved. Silver stocks are are relative are just hated. You are listening to MSE. I'm Bill Powers, and in today's show, you're going to hear from a 20-year veteran of the junior gold stock market, David Erfley. Welcome back onto the show. Your website is JuniorMinerJunkieWithY.com. You've been at this a while. It's been over a month since we last spoke. Uh, before we talk about the gold price in 2024, did you make any changes in your portfolio in December? Yeah, I mean, you know, we had that great interview with with Haya uh, Dawn of uh, of Aceto. You know, that was that was a big win for for myself and my subscribers. It was a it was a, a, a JMJ top ten company, and I had I had hopes that it would be acquired before then. And you know, of course, we talked about how we were we were hoping that they, they would be able to spit out those properties to to so Haya could do it again, but it. It, it sounds like it would have been a deal breaker and uh, he wanted to take a break for a while and I kind of don't really blame him the way the market is. So, um, you know, we, we, we took that win and, and we sold it the, the next day and um, we placed the proceeds into two other juniors on my watch list. So what I do is I have uh, a JMJ watch list of 20 companies that are, th- that are pre-vetted by myself and I, I know them very well. And I've had conversations with the management teams and the two companies that I got into after uh, I, I sold the, the, the Asino shares, um, I had uh, meetings with both management teams at Beaver Creek and then I had follow-up meetings with them. And um, they're both stocks, I think, that have huge potential. And, you know, they're, they're great entry points because um, fortunately, you know, when... Um, uh, Asino did uh, ha- did make that deal. It was you know at the end of tax loss selling, so um, it was a great time to to uh, shift the, the the money into a couple juniors. So basically, sold one junior for for, for really nice gains and and, ha- and had you know placed the the the, the, the capital uh, the investment capital and the gains into uh, two other companies. So. Um, you know, now the 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 JMJ portfolio has twenty solid juniors going into into twenty twenty four. I also had some cash left over to average down on a few that I was that I was down on. You know, um, that, that's that's what's great about this bear market is you get into these. The, I've been getting into these uh, the, these these companies that I'm holding. I've been averaging down uh, on them and. You know, when when I first took initial positions, I thought I thought to myself, "Wow, I'm getting these things really cheap," and they just continue to go lower. And you know, as the gold price continues to try to make a floor at two thousand dollars or get above two thousand dollars at first, now it's trying to make a floor at two thousand. Yet, uh, you know, uh, people don't want to know about gold stocks. It's amazing. You you going into 2024, we had the Dow, the Nasdaq, the S and P all close at or near their all time highs. And you had uh, investor sentiment was off the charts bullish. Um, yet you had the gold price doing the same thing, and investor sentiment in gold stocks is off the charts bearish, while the gold stocks in relation to the gold price have never been cheaper. So that's an opportunity, and um, you know it's been frustrating, but at the same time, it's it's very exciting because um, we know that um, 
the biggest booms in the mining sector have come from busts in in equities. And this 13-year bull market in in stocks is is in the bust phase. And there's size all around. And you know, the, the, and basically the Fed came out and said as much pretty much in their last meeting. They're, you know, th- they surprised everybody and uh put out a a, a basically a rate cut uh timeline on their dot plot and that surprised a lot of people and it's of course it's it of course it surprised me as well and um you know i mean what do they see you know they see that uh i i think they see that that the u.s economy is going into recession probably um either late in in the first half of the year or early second half of the year they know that you know their their interest rate pol- their interest rate hiking policy the most aggressive interest rate hiking policy high policy in 22 years you know the effects of that aren't felt on the market until 12 to 18 months later i mean we had the same thing kind of happen in at the end of the um a dot-com bubble at the turn of the century um you know the 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 dot-com bubble started to roll over and then the very first i think that was the first trading day of 2001 january 3rd 2001 greenspan came out with an emergency meeting with a 50 basis point emergency rate cut and guess what that that started a 10-year bull market in in the mining sector and i think that this had there's a setup right now is 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 very is 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 very similar to the, to that happening again i i really believe that that could that could happen again once once the you know because because the fed is let's face it the fed is reactive not proactive right i mean they don't cut rates expecting something bad to happen they cut rates after something bad has happened so you know once they do that that's that will signify that uh you know that that generalist investors say hey i better get defensive here and this as you know this this sector is so tiny it doesn't take much for them to start piling into these things for them to really take off. And that's what's happened in the past so many times. You know, I've been in the sector 20 years and I've exper- experienced it myself. And I expect to experience it again. David, with that bullish of an outlook for 2024 for gold, when you see a geopolitical event and gold spikes 80, 90 bucks in a day on a geopolitical event, would you ever consider just taking those profits uh, and some of your miners then, or do you consider like a, a burst like that, which historically, you know, we see <laughs> retraced and fall back down prior to the the crisis event. Do you think it's different this year that a crisis, it could be like turbocharging that keeps going, or do you expect those pullbacks? How would you play that? Well, it depends on when it happens and what, what, uh, what portion of the cycle the mining sector's in when it happens because i think we're at the at the bottom of of a mining cycle right now and you know if if you take in the comparison sake um the late 70s right you had a gold price run from a little over a hundred dollars to four hundred dollars in five years and then the last i think it was just the last month or so of 1979 the gold price went from four hundred dollars to parabolically peak at eight eight fifty in January of nineteen eighty when Russia rolled into Afghanistan. That was a that was a geopolitical trigger of a blow off top. Now in the situation we have now is, you know, we've got what? We've got two billion citizens of the of the world are going to be going to the polls uh in twenty twenty four, beginning with Taiwan here in a couple of weeks. 
and we know what's what, what's at stake in Taiwan as, as far as China is concerned. So, um, you know, and at the same time, we've got a gold price that has been building a, a three and a half year floor below two thousand. Well, thirteen year. It, you know, two thousand has been a, has been resistance for thirteen years, but it's been building a floor below two thousand for the past three and a half years. And if you take an inf- inflation adjusted high in the gold price, that's around three thousand dollars, which we're not even close to yet. So, you know, if you take a look at the mining sector, it's completely bombed out. I mean, there's you know nobody cares about gold stocks. I mean, it's at all. So. I mean, um, I don't see a risk of having a geopolitical event right now causing a blow-off top in the gold price or gold stock, especially in gold stocks that are that are trading. And like I said, they're at all-time lows in relation to a gold price that's about to break out. And so, would you be levered up a little more on silver at this point too? If you think gold's going to run, silver usually runs with it. Yeah, and I mentioned that uh, you know in my in my very long-winded uh, piece at the end of the year. Basically, you look at the silver price. I mean, I think silver stocks are are probably the best opportunity for 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 twenty twenty four. Because if gold stocks are are unloved, silver stocks are are relative are just hated. Nobody wants to be in in silver stocks. So first of all, there's only a handful of of, the, of them that are worth being in. But it's silver stocks that give you the the, the biggest leverage when whenever there's a huge up leg in, in the gold price and then the silver price eventually follows. And um, if you take a look at the silver price, I mean, it's at less than $25. It's less than half of what its 1980 high was. And if you adjust, adjust its $50 1980 high for inflation, you know, it should be around $150 and $200 even maybe. I don't even know what the inflation adjusted high for silver is, but I know it's a lot higher than $50. And yet you've got a gold price that's two and a half times its 1980 peak. And if you take a look at silver juniors, uh, the barometer is the SILJ um, ETF. That recently hit in relation to the silver price, the, the 2016 bombed out low. So if you take a look at the GDX and the and the GDXJ, these are mining indexes, right? They've been at a bull market, believe it or not, since the beginning of 2016. They've made higher highs and higher lows, but the juniors are a bit a whole different animal. They complete they they continue to get sold off, creating this opportunity. You know, a lot of people get frustrated and they give up and they sell for for tax loss and they don't come back. Well, this is the environment that you make money in in this sector. I mean, you have to be a buyer in environments like this to make money in this sector. If you wait till it takes off and you start chasing things, then it's more difficult to hold, you know, once there's corrections because you've already bought after they've taken off. So, you know, it's really difficult to do, but that's the way you make money in this sector. And that's the way I've made money in this sector for the past 20 years. I have to, you have to go through these bear markets. You have to literally grin and bear it because this and and buy these fishing lines and accumulate these stocks when nobody wants them because you're going to be selling the rhino horns later for two, three, four times your money. You know, you take some off the table, let the rest ride, and you've got a free position. So I, I honestly believe that's coming here in 2024. I just don't know when, but I, I, I tell you what, it's probably going to coincide with the stock market starting to sell off 
and it'll coincide with with the stock market starting to sell off and investment capital finally coming into gold stocks because it's investment it's investment the demand that really drives the prices of gold and silver and especially the the, the gold and silver equities Dave, there's a familiar proverb that says it's better to be taught to fish than to be given a fish and so in your newsletter, you teach people how to research and go through the decision-making process before you come to a conclusion. You're not just giving them the pick, but you're bringing them through that thought process. I bring that up to say, when you mentioned you sold Osino and you went into two other stocks, those two stocks were kind of primed because you had already met with management. You said they were on your watch list. So my question is, when you go through that initial due diligence, they make it to your watch list. Do you do any more due diligence before you pull the trigger to buy those kind of uh, unexpectedly because you didn't expect to sell Osino when you did? What is your secondary uh, due diligence at that point? Or did you not even need to call management at that point because you were on top of it? Yeah, I didn't because I, like I said, I was ex I was expecting uh, a mid-tier to come along and, and purchase Osino. So I had, I had groomed these two companies before. Like I said, I, I spoke with both management teams at Beaver Creek, which was in mid-September. And um, I did have follow-up uh, meetings with them, but I was convinced that these were the two stocks that, that were the best two stocks on my watch list to get into. Um, if I was if we were fortunate enough to get a, uh, an Asino buyout before the end of the year, and it happened right before the end of the year. So... You know, I mean, that's that's what you do. I mean, you, you you have to constantly be doing due diligence, not only on what you own, but what you want to own. I mean, I've watched stocks for years before I took positions and then ended up getting, you know, five, 10 times gains on them. You know, there's there's one stock that I that I, I, I really liked when they IPO'd. It was trading at $25 and um, I started accumulating it when it got down below $5. So, you know, you follow along with management, you follow along with companies, you follow along with their prop, with their, with their, uh, progress or lack of progress and they fall off. I've had companies fall off my watch list because, you know, uh, they, they're not, they weren't doing things that I would do if I were them or they didn't, they didn't get the proper management team to come in and helm the ship because that's, that's the big one right there. You know, you have to get the proper management team. That's got the track record of success. They've got that access to capital. Because right now, you know, you've got all this, you still got all this time to basically put your, put your mining, minor CEO hat on and say, okay, if I was going to go out and look for a company to add to my stable of, of mines, which company would I be buying? Because that's what you want to look at right now. You don't want to mess with anything small. You don't want to mess with anything that, that doesn't have, you know, that's not inside of a district scale size land package that, that doesn't have blue sky potential. Or even you don't want to invest in a company that's over drilling a project either, because you want them to sh to, to 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 spend enough capital to show proof of concept that they've that they've got something that a major wants. You don't want them over drilling it to what a major is going to eventually do and say, "Look, we spent all this money, you know, and, and it's it's really hurt our shareholders because we've we've had too much dilution in drilling this property. Here it is. Will you buy it from us? No, you want to have a smart management team that knows how, when to raise money, how much to raise, from whom, the right the right shareholders in the stock, and drilling out enough to where they're showing a proof of concept to a major to eventually buy that stock. 
in gold standard ventures from the previous cycle would be an example, right? Of a stock that was overdrilled. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I got into that one late and I actually got into it a little early, even though I thought it was late. And the funny story on that one was it got bought out a little less than our entry cost from Orla mining and Orla mining at the time was, was a bit, was, was, was overvalued, but, but they're very good operators, good uh, mine builders. So I, I told my subscribers, I was going to hold on to it until it got up to my entry point. I didn't want to lose money on it. That's what I did. So I ended up getting out of, of cold standard ventures at basically a wash. So, I mean, these things happen, you know, but you have to, you have to have a level head when they do and have, have, you always have an, have to have an exit point, you know, in whatever happens with, with, with a stock and, you know, you don't lose your head and say, oh, I hate this deal. I'm selling the stock. You know, you sit back and okay, this is what, this is what I'm going to do to try to recoup my money and then sell it and put it into something else. Dave, back in 2016, when I was cutting my teeth on junior mining stocks, I had Explorco's that went three to four times just because silver went from 14 bucks to 21 bucks. So the Explorco's move last, the Franco Nevadas, the Newmonts, they move first. We all know that. And then eventually the Explorco's perk up and many of them can go threefold <laughs> on no discovery, but just because the commodity price is higher. I bring that up to say, if gold is going to run this year, you're not heavily weighted in Explorco's right now. What's going to be the trigger for David Erfleet to go more into Explorco's? Yeah, I have avoided Explorco's for the past couple of years. You see, the last few times that we've had this this ter these, this turn in the market that's that's gone from you know overly bearish, extreme black bearishness to newly bullish. You know, we get that pop, we get that that switch going on, and, and it fix everything, right? Even the, the bad companies go, even the dogs go up, right? I don't think that's going to happen this time. Um, and I'll tell you why. I mean, the big reason is, is capital's not cheap anymore. Ever since I've been in this sector, capital's been cheap. And, and it's not cheap anymore. And it's and they're not doling it out to just anybody anymore. You know, they're only the companies that deserve to get financed are getting financed. And, um, a lot of these companies, we've talked about it before, you know, they need to, they need to go away or they need to merge with other explore codes that have access to capital that they can build their projects. Um, but as far as getting, getting back into earlier stage explore codes is concerned, I'm going to have to be convinced that the market is convinced that gold has a strong $2,000 floor. And I think that's going to happen at some point this year. Uh, gold is is consolidating its gains above two thousand now. I think there's a th there's a good chance that it might dip below two thousand, maybe the nineteen eighty two thousand range before finally bottoming. I think that's that's a very real possibility. Um, so, you know, you still got plenty of time to accumulate the right companies because you want to be in the right companies when that switch gets flipped. And do you wait if if it's a company with a good project, but they're not capitalized because of how tough the last few years are. Do you wait till they're capitalized or do you buy them in advance of maybe a little marketing to get the share price up? And then, <laughs> that's and raise a great the question. I mean, you, you, that's when you really, you have that, that one-on-one -on -one meeting with them and you say, you know what, you, you, the market knows you need to raise money. You know, you need to raise money. Um, 
do you have any options besides dilution? Because that's what a lot of these companies are looking at. They have other options. You know, they could stick. They they could spin out a royalty. You know, um, they 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 could do. They could. Uh, there's plenty of other way. They, a lot of companies are divesting um, uh, non-core assets. We got it. We had a, a few recently that have done that. This is what needs to happen. You know, they're they're concentrating on de-risking this project, but they've got these other assets. So they're, they're, they're selling them and they're, you know, they're maintaining either some shares of the company that's bought them or they're maintaining an S NSR to still have exposure to that property. But this is what they need to do. They need to find other ways to raise capital other than dilution. And a lot of them are doing that. So you call up the company and you grill them. You say, look, you're, you, you're down to, you know, less than six months of cash in, in the treasury. What, what, what do you plan to do to raise money? And then if you, if you've got, if you've attracted enough investors, are you going to have to, are you going to have to attach a full warrant? Are you going to have to attach a half warrant? Uh, is your, is your, you know, hopefully the reason, you know, I mean, the reason why you're, you're interested in the company in the first place is because it's got an attractive project. It's got an attractive project. They can probably raise money without a warrant. So, you know, you ask all these things, you see where their share price is. If their share price is trading at multi-year lows and they need to raise money, that's, that's, that's not good. So, you know, and of course, you know, if, if you're looking at these companies with, with, with these great management teams, then they shouldn't be in that position anyway, because, you know, um, a good management team has at least never has less than $10 million in the bank. Um, and they've they usually raise um at a point where it upsets people and they, they think they shouldn't but it always turns out to be a good thing they did and that that's ha that happened a lot in 2023 you know coming into into the into the fourth quarter um a lot of these companies um that they know that they didn't need money at the time but the but the but uh the financing became available to them and you never turn down financing, especially in a bear market. So, you know, at the time, it, it upset some investors that they that they took so much. But it, but come toward the end of the year, it was a good thing they did. Yeah, David's website is juniorminerjunkiewithy.com. Go over there, learn more about his subscription service if you haven't uh, heard of it already. He also has a free weekly editorial that he'll send you on Friday evenings. You can sign up for his free list there as well. David, always appreciate your insights, and we'll touch base with you in about 30 days. Thanks a lot, Bill. Always great talking to you, and Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too.
I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really you could do really really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.